Yeah, and I, ju I just realized as well, we are basically at the halfway point through Clone Wars after yes. this episode. I'm so excited to and talk about this. It's so um, good. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> When I watched the uh, when I watched the episodes or yeah some of them I uh, I was like oh my god I can't wait to talk to you about this because it's yeah. good yeah um, I mean this doesn't like so <laughs> worth it right like <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny every time we're listening to this or sorry every time I'm watching an episode now through this rewatch and I'm like uh, thinking to myself if it's a good episode I'm like yes this is totally worth doing this <laughs> like it's and I'm. Uh, I'm just gonna get into it like this. We're so okay. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Serially Hooked. We're talking about Clone Wars, the first half of season four. Now, more Rashad. specifically, episodes one through three and episode seven through thirteen. Yeah, but let's be real. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna make a talk mostly about the mid part of those yes. episodes, which is fucking amazing, right? Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> the cinematography is just outstanding. out of this world I know, out of so this good. world it's like the one of the best if you string those episodes together it's one of the best movies i've ever seen animated <laughs> like no right so uh, good so okay should we do it like this we could do this for the first time should we do episodes one through three yeah and then do 11 through 13 and then talk about <laughs> seven through ten sure yeah <laughs> let's do it uh <laughs> we have to save the best for last I mean, the, before we get into that, I have to say that overall, these episodes, like, I will say there are still highs and lows oh, across yeah. the episodes, but I would say the highs are higher and the lows are a little bit higher as well. Like, yeah. the lows aren't as bad as the previous seasons. Um, still not great, but the highs are also just on another level. Also, like, I th something that I noticed, and I feel like I say this every single time we talk, is that I think the animation has gotten better. Yes. And it's just so much clearer in these string of episodes. And obviously, you know, this is a beginning of a new season, right? Mm. So it's just clear the fact that the, the gap will be from season three to season four, right? And that'll just continue, I think, maybe moving forward. I don't know if it gets much better than this, but it's like, it's just beautiful to watch now with the animation styles. And we think about how far we came from the season one. It's a night and day in a show. Again, also the like, yeah, cinematography has also they have improved on all levels. Basically, <laughs> yeah, the writing sometimes still a little bit weird. But um, I, I actually have a question before we get into this. Mm, I know these episodes are out of sync, so they it's not a coherent timeline. Yeah, but it did strike me. Uh, through on various episodes that we have watched for today that ahsoka seems to be a little bit older well yeah ahsoka is there is like a a mini time jump um that happens in between these two seasons okay and ahsoka this is generally chronologically after season three okay. for the most part and the biggest differentiation is you when you see obviously she gets her lightsabers and i don't think she ever goes back to having one yeah, her clothing so, is also different, I think. Yeah, uh, but also yeah, uh, more mature. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know. I I felt like she seemed more grown. Like even also like I don't know. No, for sure, she's actively now. Uh, I think that's also a, a marker of time jumps, but also more importantly, a marker of her character growth. And you actively see her grow up over the course of the show, mm -hmm. and realize the Ahsoka that we love. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Like, you know, objectively speaking, Ahsoka in season one is not great. Like no. in and of herself in and of herself. She's still like my favorite part of the show because it's Ahsoka, but why is it why do we attach ourselves to Ahsoka so much? It's because of how what she grows into mm. and that we have know, seen we... in one episode of The Mandalorian. I, exactly. Yeah. And it is just an incredible ride to see and go on with her go along with her sorry and like when you think of your own individual growth as a person it really does mimic that in a way you know it is that stark the way that she kind of is a 
moody little teenager, just as we all were brats when we were 11 or 12. And as we grow older and we become adults, we grow into ourselves and our, we develop characteristics based on certain responses to um, experiences that we have. And this is what we mm. see Ahsoka do and grow up and be. And you can see, you know, I, I have a note on this at some point in the in this episode we'll talk about. But as she's giving advice to people, you you can remember in your head what experience that she had that specifically tells her to give that piece of advice. Yeah. And there's such a connective tissue that is amazing for her character arc ah this is great shall we get into it no um (laughs) (laughs) some things never change um i have to say um i think the villains have also taken a step up in this uh this season right and whether it's i think one of the best villains if not the best villain we've seen um krell or it's the other villains who are maybe not to that height but are still good um they're just just on the whole, they're more complex characters. They have more unique personalities, or they're. They, they, I think they're just more interesting as a whole, mm-hmm. and we don't fall into the the common villain trap of Star Wars or other other media's or media what or other movies. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so excited to talk yeah. about this. <laughs> we see Ahsoka teaching her peers, which we have also seen in uh, previous seasons, which I always enjoy because you can see that she is further along in her development than others are in about her like age bracket um you know and that she passes on the wisdom that she has earned now the show starts in this point to ask diff- a different set of very important questions mm. right so the first few seasons what's great about clone wars is that even from the beginning when the question with the quality wasn't as good per se the story still asks questions about the cost of war and being a, a peacekeeper in war in time of war, et cetera, et cetera. But in this season, it starts to ask different kinds of questions, um, like what, like and think questions that have you know plagued many of us. Like, what do you do in the face of a, an, an immoral order, for example, mm. or how do you face with the cope of slavery in in the galaxy or in the world, and or how do you um, like what is what makes a good leader these kinds of different kinds of these different questions really go to speak towards a nuanced understanding of the role of clone wars in you know the largest larger question of society uh of star wars but also society at large and it also it starts to pick at new things as opposed to being repetitive like maybe the previous seasons were Mm. um and my last point <laughs> before we actually get into what we're going to talk about today, which this is really par for the course, right? Is that I think the show really starts to add new characters, not all of them, but add new characters that are interesting and start to develop the secondary characters beyond Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. So you have a lot of wrecks in this episode in these in these episodes, clearly. Mm-hmm. You have even um I even like the the little boy who becomes a the king or whatever. Lee Char, right? Or if you're talking about the other clones like Fives and Headcase and and Dogma or whatever. And these other it starts to work on other characters that develop more of an emotional range and, and put more uh, time and effort into developing those things on the side, as opposed to, you know, the nameless Jedi who doesn't really have much of a role, but it's there. Right. Um, or even like we have master Fisto that is in this, ep- these episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. And master Fisto is, a, is definitely a tertiary character at best, but he's, he demonstrates certain characteristics through his actions within a limited screen time. And instead of being simply a board to, for Anakin and Obi-Wan to bounce ideas and bounce different uh, opinions off of, and, you know, they just respond to the situation, Fisto takes charge in a situation and act actively... Um, does things out of his own accord, representative of a character arc, as opposed to other uh, previous narratives that have plagued maybe the earlier episodes of Clone Wars. And the exceptions in the past were things like Plo Koon, who is a good mentor to Ahsoka, despite having such a short uh, 
screen time. But I think it it's it's a you know it's another step up for this show to take in the fourth season. But have you ever heard the Star Wars fan theory that the entire Star Wars saga is told from Archer D2's perspective? Uh, I feel like I've heard about that, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It is yeah, the sequel. The sequel trilogy kind of puts uh, a wrench to that because Archer's off for all of Episode yeah. Seven. Like he is the only through line. Yeah, he is. Except hey, for him and C-3PO. Chancellor. <laughs> Except yeah. for Pal- Palpatine oh, in a way. God. But uh, yeah, but C-3PO gets his memory wiped. Oh, good point. And R2 point. never does. Never does, yeah. No, I think it's a really cool... And if you like to see him, if you, you know, think of it from R2's perspective and he's just like, he could be lying. It's like, do we trust this narrator? And you're just like, yeah, so I just saved these people. These people were kind of like fucking around and i just <laughs> came in for the rescue <laughs> wow r2 as a unre- as an unreliable narrator I, lo- I love this i love this i love that idea yeah uh or like in episode one for example like padme's like giving him like a bath or whatever washing him and she's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow who has his mind in the gutter now it's not just me everyone <laughs> so episodes one through three uh we are on Moncala, where the separatist tamson drew a wedge between the Mon Calamari and the Quarren, uh, inciting a civil war. And the the Prince Lichar and the Jedi need to hide uh, when the Separatists invade. Um, after reinforcements from <laughs> our favorites, the Gungans, uh, arrive, a battle ensues, but the Republican forces are captured. Um, eventually, the Quarren under under the senator whose name I forgot, and I am now I'm not looking up things anymore because you've prohibited me from doing that. Um, yeah, you're not allowed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they join the prince who kills Tamson, and uh, yeah, the Republican forces defeat the separatists, and all is good. Basically, um, that's a very very brief summary, but I that's fast. Yeah, I mean, you forgot to mention. I think my favorite thing about these episodes, which is that we see Captain Akbar. Yes, we do. I know. I, I didn't. Love... I didn't mention it because we are just gonna mention it anyway. Oh my god, I love. I mean, he, I love Cap, like Captain Akbar, Admiral Akbar. I'm sorry, he he, he is, is an admiral. he is an admiral. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I didn't like, I have to say, real quick, is that it came a little bit too soon after we saw Tarkin. True, but also like it's a year in yeah, actual time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's not we have to think of it like that. Just in in just straight continuity, maybe it's a little too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm fine with it. Uh I love how he's still a captain. That's cute. I also love his dynamic with Senator Tills and um and Lee Char and just different ways to manage him and also to um teach him leadership. And you can see the seeds of uh, Admiral Akbar's uh, leadership within the rebellion and his uh, his just ability to be a symbol and just a strong force uh, in the rebellion. Sorry. I probably not surprisingly had a hard time with the prince. Yeah. Who I found to be pretty useless um, and very annoying. He makes basically all the mistakes he can make. As long, you know, he, sometimes he listens to Akbar. He's basically useless without Akbar and Ahsoka. One hundred percent, he is not great. Um, and I think like he, the whole, the whole saga, the, these three episodes are a coming of age of Lichar. That's the story that's being told. Yeah. Right. Um, to what extent? I mean, there, you could definitely see a change in his demeanor over the course of the three episodes and where he ends up versus where he started. Uh, it taking you know initiative to then from as a like he starts by just following orders and being told what to do and kind of doesn't do anything unless told he's told is really dependent and in the end realizes his dependence and actively goes to seek out admiral akbar and the uh nosarai and the Koran and to try to come up with a solution it's not great obviously it's it's, it's not the best and i know you hate children so there is a you know there's a <laughs> a through line there and it is kind of like one of the things that I have a problem with in these episodes is whenever they give a motivational speech in Clone Wars, oh, it yes. just, it does not sit it's well. And when it's done by like a bad a voice actor and a child, it's done even worse. And I'm just like, uh, I would not be inspired by this no, it's at so all. Bad. 
<clears throat> it's so bad. Yeah, my favorite example of the ineptitude of the prince is that in episode one, he says, I do not believe the corn will attack. Smash cut, the corn's <laughs> attack. And I was laughing yeah. out loud. It's so funny. The next line is literally um, attack. What's his face? Screaming attack. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of of good villains, I think I th- I really liked Tamsin. Yeah, he he's was so, so good. good. Riff yeah. Tamsin is just really good, and the ferocity with which he goes and attacks in episode one, where he breaks through the the uh, the little tube that they're in, mm. and it feels like a mini horror movie for a second there. It's quite like jarring. Yeah. What did you think about? Um, underwater battles i okay i had good and bad Mm -hmm. i will say the the bad is i i don't understand army tactics in this or like defense maneuvers as well like i don't it's just like the scale of it did not seem realistic in a way like the also the moncala army was just very weirdly positioned their defense lines within the city and also they're all spread apart it just doesn't work for me on a larger scale. Mm. The positive is I feel like some of the Jedi look really cool. Um, specifically, Ahsoka <laughs> looks really cool spinning around with the double blades. And it just a- allows for a little bit more acrobatic um, fighting, which I find somewhat cool. Um, but it's just the end. It's a little weird. Also, the fact that like both the Quorn and the Moncala are regular like humanoids but live under underwater all the time. It's just a little bit odd, I'd say. We're always coming back to the uh, the idea of imperialism when we talk about Clone Wars. And in the very beginning of episode one, one of the Quarren says that they don't want Republican interference. They were invited by the Mon Calamar. And I can kind of see their point. You can see the point. It's a logical... Uh, argument i mean you know that in that scenario it's influenced by dooku and hamzen right but it makes sense is that you don't want outside interference in a domestic affair exactly especially not one where yeah when yeah the people in charge invite them how can they be impartial you know of course of course and it is like you can see it from their perspective as well they're living in a an unbalanced unfair society right they are the disenfranchised minority within like the the planet right Mm -hmm. so you understand their gripe and you want to you know in a different world you would root for them against the mancala yeah it gets played like um oh that this is so weird that they why wouldn't they want republican interference it's like well because it's still interference when i saw the title of episode two i just thought oh no this is gonna be painful yeah we try to avoid as many jar jar episodes as we can but sometimes he, they just put him in the middle of a saga yeah. for no reason. But uh, luckily, Jar Jar wasn't that involved. He shows yeah. up a f- few times. He has a couple of lines. But it's I will not say that I bad. do like the new leader of the Gungans as opposed to the leader that was in episode oh, God, one. Yeah, so much better. Yeah, I it's... mean everybody is a even Jabba would be an improvement over that guy. <laughs> I will say, though, um, in episode two in particular, I really do like Master Fisto yeah. underwater. And I think he's cool. He's also brave, sacrificing himself like actively. It's just, he does things that are just like awesome. The only problem that I had with it was, you know, he's going to survive because he shows up in episode three. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> so like, the stakes are lower. It's a great sacrifice, but it's not really a sacrifice because, you know, he's going to survive. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have a huge problem with... Uh, uh, you know how the how everybody talks about the prince like he is this almost uh, godlike symbol yeah exactly i was going to say messiah but yeah that's that works show don't tell and you you mentioned his development in the over these three episodes and i think it's a pretty sudden change in episode 3 because the first two episodes he's just whining a lot and saying a lot of obvious things and repeats them all the time. And I just thought that that was pretty bad writing. I, yeah, it was definitely bad writing and bad voice acting in my mind. But mm. I think the the point happens very poignantly. And this the shift, I think, happens at the end of episode two. When Ahsoka specifically tells him that he can't let fear control him. And he shouldn't make decisions out of fear. A, of course, Ahsoka is the reason why he changes and not anyone else because she rules everything. But it also goes to point out that 
you know, yes, in episode three is when the change happens. In episode one and two, he's acting like a petulant little child who's spoiled uh, mm. because he, um, you know, doesn't actively get what he needs until he gets that piece of advice that to which he specifically responds and does then become a leader in episode three. I, 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 find, I find it very strange how in Star Wars there are a lot of a lot of positive representations of hereditary monarchy yeah uh you know it starts with leia who is a princess where i think like what what's that all about why is she in charge here uh but you have that with with a lot of um allies for the republican cause and i think that's kind of weird yeah it's interesting it's definitely what's odd though is that a lot of them are are juxtaposed with prime ministers and have still senators in yeah. the the republic so it's an interesting mix there's a lot of constitutional monarchies if they are actually constitutional monarchies but uh, we don't know the details of their government systems but um and also there are a lot of systems like on naboo or on mandalore where there is a queen or a king or head of state but it is not hereditary the the government system on Naboo is a whole thing. Like, who elects like teenage girls to be the head of state? And multiple, multiple. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a, that is really strange. I mean, nothing against teenage girls, uh, but I don't think anybody under a certain age, regardless of their gender, uh, should rule anything. Monarchies are glorified in some ways here. Um, or, or they're seen as, you know. Yeah, I guess this is, that's because of just storytelling economy. You need to, you need someone to represent a, a whole planet that can be some, and that has to be like some form of leader. Whether that's, I forget his name, the uh, the Twi'lek rebellion leader, oh, yeah. Sindula, Sindula, yeah, or um, you know, or a monarch, or a senator. Uh, and yeah, I think just because we follow the Jedi around, that means we get to interact with this like higher up tier of representatives. It kind of makes sense because it's often that we see it through the eyes of the Republic, our perspective. And, you know, whether or not it is in the best interest of the people of an uh, individual country or an individual planet, we see a lot of... Um, monarchies around the world allying themselves with powerful nations, right? And I feel like that's a typical thing that one would do if they were a head of a smaller nation, or in this case, head of a smaller country. And they, to assert their own power or to protect their own power from potential usurpation, they ally themselves with a powerful central force. And I don't think that it's that dissimilar to how societies are today. Um, but we are seeing the entire galaxy from one perspective. And we have to acknowledge our own bias as viewers because we're seeing it in that light. Um, because he, well, your point at the top was very apt about the Quarren, right? They are a disenfranchised minority on their planet. And from their perspective, they should be dissatisfied with uh, you know, the rule of the Mount Calamar. It's sad. It's sad. I would, I mean, like, I feel really bad for Nosarai um, because he, you know, wants the best for his people, but gets duped by, you know, Dooku and Tamsin, essentially. And it's it's too bad that the Quarren don't have a stronger leader to represent them. Yeah, I I like, though, how Tamsin plays him, basically. Yeah, it's great. All his interactions with, with everyone, basically, his, the way he fights, when he when he has the i don't know what they're called these like tentacle machines <laughs> it's a yeah. weird way of saying it but they create an underwater whirlpool um, which is a very good tactic super smart and uh, yeah he has his is his uh, like space shark entourage as well who are supposed to execute the prince in episode 3 uh yeah it's he's very he's fascinating and I kind of, I was kind of sad to see him go, to be honest with you. I mean, though, the way he gets killed is pretty good. Like, it's pretty. It's kind of cool. It's, yeah. it's a pretty cool one. Exploding. And also, like, the severed head at the end. It's yeah. kind of like, whoa, this is really more mature in a way. They still don't show blood. 
they show the black blood instead and also i like that uh you know he basically dies because of something fishing related <laughs> of something hook related if you want yeah. uh, oh, look at us go <laughs> i will say that um outside of prince lechar which i agree some of some of your complaints i really did enjoy these episodes um, i found it interesting to be in a different environment um, we don't get much underwater stuff yeah um i like some of the visuals too the colors are really nice it's it's kind of it's dwarfed by what comes after but um in within these three episodes i do i did find it enjoyable it's it's action-paced there is a really cool like you know a villain interesting there's different droids now or different weapons and uh you have you know the jellyfish and then the tentacle machines yeah the jellyfish <laughs> were pretty cool Yes, there's a lot of different things that are going on, which are just like, oh, this is really interesting. And you mm. have a good villain to, to on top of it. Not a great hero, but you do have Admiral Akbar. So, And I, I always like stories which involve somebody playing two sides yeah, uh, against each other. Yeah, one thing I just wanted to note here at the end uh, is that we get... And that, that that's kind of been annoying me how often it happens but we get another torture scene that happens all the time yeah uh, i mean i guess it is war it is war and against the backdrop of the real world you know it's not surprising with all the debates surrounding um waterboarding and abu Ghraib and all of these things i do like though how this torturing was a little different torturing them and then cracking padme's mm -hmm. helmet as a and his anakin's frustration is so, is so like it's so interesting i found it very fascinating i didn't like the solution with Jar Jar's spit <laughs> yeah. not ideal or just like eh, fine whatever but it was a nice way to um add to the torture and then also like leaving her to die what a sentence <laughs> i know it's true like torture can get boring on screen if it's just the same thing, same thing over and over and over again. But if you then add different elements to it to uh, make it interesting, then and also like basically from Tamsin's perspective, murdering her because he just walks away and lets her essentially drown yeah. in front of Anakin and uh, and and well and the others. So in episodes eleven through thirteen, we have the inhabitants of Kiros uh, get enslaved by Zagirians, Zagirians, and. Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Rex, and R2 go uh, to make this brief through a tremendous effort, including their own temporary enslavement to liberate them from the slavers. So there's a lot of things that happen in these episodes. I think this is the weakest of the bunch. Um, yeah, I didn't like I it. am not a huge fan of the depiction of the Nigerians or <clears throat> Zygerians. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um slash north african culture yep. it's like a weird amalgamation of uh god it's just not good yeah they they may they may try to mix it up with like a few things from different cultures to make it not that racist yeah it's not great you know a arabs and blacks are the same mm -hmm. b they're furry monsters like c they're slavers yeah uh <laughs> Let's like, I don't want to undermine or pass by the bad depiction of this, of this culture or culture or real life cultures. And it it is the worst part of, yeah, three episodes that aren't that good to begin with. That said, there are also some, there are some things that are interesting, I guess, mm. exploring Anakin's hatred for slavery. Yeah. Um, which was like laid on a little bit too thick for my taste though. You think so? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like just the visceral. I don't know. I think at the beginning it was. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. His his like initial anger. Um, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, there are there's one scene that I actually don't mind it and kind of like it. Um, and it's when they capture the guy at the end of episode eleven, on the ship, and and it can put the saver to his neck, and. That might be a little bit too much, but I love the way that Ahsoka looks at him. Yes, yes. And Ahsoka, like that side look of just like, oh my God, and worry, but understanding all at the same time. Yeah. And her, her like look says so more, so much. It made me wonder in, also in terms of the timeline, whether that was before or after that 
um, trip to this force planet where they where they meet the force users and she meets her own vision from the future basically that tells her to beware of Anakin and maybe now she sees that there is darkness within him oh interesting yeah I think that is pretty clear that she understands that there's something there's everyone understands that there's something different about Anakin she understands mostly that it is like a you know it's but it's not a negative thing for her always, but sometimes it is. It's a very like thin line that she's balancing with him. Uh, I really like this, the the quote that she says in episode 11, where she says in response to someone saying, oh, young Padawan, she's like, I'm not so young anymore. Yes, I like that. Yes, and it's a point It's a point to what you said earlier. Like Ahsoka is no longer depicted as a child and it is a, an overt statement to her maturity and her growth and a, and a point to us as the viewer to see, oh, okay, this is a new Ahsoka. This is an Ahsoka who is on the top of, or getting to the top of her game, no longer a child to be. And doesn't storm off into like wild sprees where she just like disregards everything and just, you know, is like not following orders and all of that. Yeah, think about in the in season one, I think it was or, that she, you know, disobeyed an order, um, and she got a lot of her men killed. And in response to that, she just walked away from everyone, screaming and yelling, and stood in her room to deal with it herself. Yeah. And now she can face anything or any, any of these challenges and head on. Yeah, and even like I think the moment that really. Uh, brought that home for me is when she is in the cage uh, and she is just basically meditating. Uh, I really like that. Um, but first, of all, I, I want to rant for a second about Obi-Wan. Please. Because fuck him. Like, he just established that Anakin uh, kept purposefully kept his past secret from his Padawan and then he just goes on to explain it to her. I mean, I, I guess what the narrative function of it is for, you know, the viewer uh, is reminded of this, but like, fuck him. Like, how dare he? Oh, I saw that. I like you literally yelled at the screen. Yeah. Uh, You're right. I didn't think about that, to be honest, but. Especially because he had just like, oh, so Anakin has never told you about it, has he? Like, oh, let me tell you all about it. It's like, fuck you. Like, I know who I'm never going to tell anything about my past. Thank you very much. Asshole. Oh, I love the hatred. <laughs> <laughs> I love Obi-Wan, but in here he's just like... <sighs> I loved in the beginning of uh, episode 11, du when Dooku is arriving at Kiros, he says to the governor or whatever it is, um, you know, see this as a peaceful occupation for your own protection, which which is literally the same that the Repu as, the, as the Republic said when they went to Mandalore. Exactly. I like, nice. I like this inversion. It's like literally the same rhetoric. Yeah, it just shows the hypocrisy of the rebel the rebellion <sighs> of the Republic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love your Freudian slips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love though when he when Obi-Wan gets into a fist fight with the with the Zagirian slaver, uh, while the guy basically gives like a lot of exposition about the uh the very tense relationship between the jedi and the zagarians um and i thought oh my god he gets his like ass handed to him but it's like no he just wants to buy time for anakin and ahsoka and as soon <laughs> as they got rid of all the bombs he's just like nah like i'm done with this gets his lightsaber defeats everyone yeah i, I really did like that as well i didn't see it coming also it was something like oh Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> it's the first time you see a Zygerian, so you can think, oh, maybe they are super, super physically strong or yeah. whatever. And I, I kept wondering, why doesn't he just lose, use his lightsaber? I mean, I know it's on the on the desk, but he can he can use the force. That's well, I think fine. they they said that because in Z like Zygerian culture, you have to you fight without weapons. Yeah, right? and that's kind of that. yeah. <laughs> like if you're yeah. about to die, it's like yeah, fuck honor. Yeah. Um, but, whoa. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Deep statement. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, okay. Let's all come down. I'm still a little real. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm full of adrenaline from my rant. Uh, at the beginning of episode 12, I was really wondering why is Anakin on this mission? He obviously hates slavers and he just showed that he can't control his emotions. So obviously he is endangering everyone. So why is he on there? That didn't make any sense to me. Well, you can maybe say that he insisted 
to be on it. Like, I don't know. Like the Jedi Council could just be like, we don't. I don't. You can insist, uh, insist as much as you want. Uh, we get another unfortunate thing of uh, Anakin talking about women and trying to, to be smooth. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm gonna keep her occupied with my charm, God. and he's flirting with her, and it's like, oh fuck, oh this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, and also like the the swooning queen at the beginning yeah. is just like oh my god are you kidding right now like <laughs> yeah yeah i did wonder uh, throughout this episode like does he does she actually have the hots for him i don't know i'm not it, through the, both episodes it's unclear <laughs> exactly right i love how r2 has like just compartments within him for lightsabers apparently yeah. That's I mean, just like perfect until size. episode six, right? He always does. Yeah, exactly. But this episode really reminded me of episode six, the yes, movie. It really did as well. On so many levels. Um, you know, even later on when they're in the in the like auction pit or fighting pit or whatever it is, um, when Anakin is getting ready, the, like he glances to everyone and that that's basically the same. Uh, and everybody nods, and that's basically the same as uh episode six. I wonder to what extent that was overt and like intentional. It must have been. Yeah, probably. I I, I assume so. So yeah, Obi Wan apparently has a knack for finding interesting beasts to ride on. Right. It's just like it's like a real through line. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's really interesting that Obi Wan basically gets blackmailed into follow like being enslaved because like others would suffer if he didn't obey yeah that's a really interesting point and the queen actually raises a very interesting point at the end of this episode when she talks to anakin about how she like she's saying that uh how commitment is slavery in a, in a sense and i thought that that was uh i mean an interesting viewpoint or rather a really good foreshadowing yeah i thought it was amazing to be honest uh it's a really good point I actually don't mind the queen in episode 13. Episode 12, I really don't like her. Mm. But the questions of being a, everyone is a, everyone is a slave to somebody or being a slave to the system or a slave to the Republic is, a, is an interesting question to ask about are we really free within the, the societies in which we live? So it is a really interesting point that she does bring up. But also what a... What a uh point to be brought up by somebody who is kind of at the top of the food chain in her system you know exactly well until she realizes she's not <laughs> yeah exactly and she until she realizes she herself is a slave as Kantuku points out yeah which i thought was an interesting turn you know it's like he force chokes her and says, you know that you know that's the punishment for a d- disobedient slave i really actually i did like episode 13 because yeah. of that um, episode 11 and 12, meh, mm. to be honest. Really, episode 12 is the worst of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I do like the Dooku appearance and how he just kicks Anakin's ass. And then he also, like, force chokes the lady. And it's like, they're really doing villains so well now. Yeah. Ugh, it's just really, really affecting um, to see him in that context. And I do like the questions that she asks and then the conclusions that she does raise and come to that we are all slaves to the system, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I would really like to see Dooku's schedule. Yeah, right. He must be really busy. I mean, he is running the separatists. Well, also, to be fair, we see him a lot, but we often always see him on holograms. Yeah, that's true. He must have, like, as we all do, a lot of space Zoom calls. (laughs) Um, so Plo Koon comes with the battalion yeah. and the rescuing Obi-Wan. I Amazing. did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. A. One, two things about that. One, like his name is Wolf Leader. Are you fucking kidding me? That's an amazing name. I know, right? Like, it's just another reason to love Plo Koon so much. It's, ah. Uh. And um, number two, is that the plane that he dies in? I think it is. It he might be. Yeah. yeah, and I, I like it looks so familiar, um, and I think that's the plane that he gets shot down in, and that just makes me so sad to think about. Now you really brought us all down, R- Rashad. I'm Thank so you very sorry, much. but Plokoon is my favorite. Wolf Leader is what a call sign. Favorite. Oh, it's amazing. Something that I actually, I uh, that I noticed this time was 
only non-humans in Clone Wars refer to like people of their species or whatever as my people. You never see you you never humans never say that. It's always like from a human point of view like aliens who say that. Oh, interesting. Like you mean humanoids, right? Um that's a good point. I'm trying to think of a uh, sorry in my head I'm trying to think of a planet that is primarily inhabited by humans. Yeah. Because all like there's no planet that's only humans, I feel like. Take the Naboo. Like there are the Gangans, but the Naboo are all humans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. There's Naboo is an example. Alderaan is another example. Another note is that there's a lot of killing in this episode. Um Especially at the end, it's just like, oh my god, it's it's quite jarring actually, um, and without remorse. Yeah. And at the end, obviously, the 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 guy's like, oh, a Jedi won't kill an unarmed guy, and Rex thinks like, I'm not a Jedi. Yeah, it's a little bit more ruthless. Yeah, it's quite ruthless, and it's like, is that morally okay? Like from Obi Wan as well, like from the Jedi theological perspective. Yeah, he could have stopped it with the Force. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Um, I mean, I don't think he would go out of his way. Yeah. to save this guy Fair enough. Uh, but it's like huh from a jedi's perspective how do i think about that like how would he think about that really mm. so just a thought just a thought when thinking about these episodes at the end with regard with regards to the violence and the killing because it is very jarring these this episode and as slavery is of course the sith are the ones who want the slaves and need the slaves for there and you have that little like hologram conversation with dooku and sidious and they're just like we need a million slaves or whatever too which is very interesting because aren't they like fully mechanized exactly right and also like if you take over the galaxy like your plan you're just gonna enslave everybody so problem solved um which they end up doing so i don't know it's an interesting i mean clearly maybe they just needed labor but i wonder okay within the economy of the galaxy what is more expensive a slave or a droid probably a droid right i mean according to this i mean if it's cheaper to get a droid in one part of the galaxy it's going to be integrated with the larger droid markets for sure uh, i'm sure there's like taxation reasons and stuff like that and obviously slaves are illegal within the republic but you know in the in the grand scheme of things there are you know price indices that indicate whether or not you know a price uh, a, a droid or a slave would be cheaper um, or more effective, cheaper per labor output. Because clearly on Kessel, for example, there were mostly slave labor, but there were also droids around. I'm pretty sure that it uh, depends on the type of labor. Fair enough. But in terms of like, you know, I need a million people, I need a million units to get do stuff, right? Do Is it cheaper for me to buy droids or make droids or buy people? Um, and I would assume based on the conversation that Sidious and Dooku had, that it is relatively cheaper to buy slaves. I mean, you don't have to manufacture them. You buy them as is. Um, (laughs) they, they come with a full package. Exactly. Right. But, uh, I don't know. I'm interested in how the economics behind it fuel the slave trade because slavery doesn't happen in a vacuum. Slavery happens where there is a demand Demand, for slavery. Right, the uh, the invisible hand of the market or whatever <laughs> will make everything right or wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, Cue to likely. me barfing. <laughs> we are not pro-slavery, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't tell, <laughs> imagine if like because we have a pretty, I would say, like relatively liberal discourse as we speak. Yeah. Um, just like with the positions that we take and the way that we see things like misogyny or racism in uh star wars in general and and not just um, in star wars let let us be clear <laughs> yes not just in star wars but specifically within this framework we're talking about star wars right yes so i would be very surprised if we have all that conversation and then we're still like we're pro-slavery yeah <laughs> plot twist <laughs> yeah so we're going to talk about umbara now oh we've God. saved we've gone out of order yes to save the best for last what were your first thoughts going into this I immediately thought the the color palette that was just it looked gorgeous, and I thought, wow, that's a re- that's like some really nice 
uh, shots. Some it's like the way you know the darkness and the the red emanating from the trees, contrasting with the green from the from the enemies. It's like such good contrast, and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Uh, like it's not it's not going to be at this high level continuously, but it did. Yeah, and my next question is, what was your first thoughts? when you saw Krell and you switched when Anakin left and Krell came in? I think it, they did a very good job of establishing that he has this very good reputation that this guy is super serious. Um, the way he interacts with the clones, you you set up the conflict really quickly, but what struck me was the the look he gave Anakin as he went onto the ship. That was like almost a smirk. I thought, okay, something's wrong here. Uh, I don't know why he he looks like really pleased with Anakin leaving, and I don't know why. Uh, and so it struck me, like okay, there's something here. I don't, I can't really tell why. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we get to know about it in the end, but I didn't see it coming like that way, you know? Right. Oh, so good. And the way like he, obviously we see it later, but he has four arms and two double bladed lightsabers. It's amazing. That is so much better than Grievous. Yeah, right. And he's also like, and I feel like he's also stockier and bigger, and that gives him more physical ferocity than Grievous has. Because Grievous is a skinny little robot. Yeah, right? exactly. It's just not interesting at all. Yeah, I mean, especially because it's not just that he has two hands free, but he is a force wielder. So... Of course, he can wield the force with with two hands while wielding two double-bladed lightsabers in the two other hands. So that is like, how could you even defeat the guy? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. He is a powerhouse. That's what he is, basically. Yeah, and imagine if he had succeeded and gone to the dark side. Yeah, yeah. He would have also definitely defeated Dooku (laughs) at some point. You know, he would have risen to, to the top. Yeah. God. I really like Dooku in the Clone Wars as well. Like, I really increasingly like him. Yeah, every time he shows up, it's really good. Yeah. I love the way he fights, Dooku does. He fights with such an elegance. Yes, yes. he is. It's really impressive. So cool, man. And in a way, it's Jedi-like. In some odd way. I mean, he used to be a Jedi, so that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But it's like, you know, when you think of Jedi being obviously samurai but also knights in a way yeah and the gallantry of it and he does have that air of pompousness mixed with gallantry and it, he's it's, an older british guy so yeah. of course you know but also like that's backed up not only by his voice but by his demeanor yeah the way he course. stands the way yeah. he fights um putting one hand behind the other behind one hand behind his back right and as opposed to to the side and it's he's he like enters a fencing stance almost yeah yeah yeah, right it's really cool and it's just yeah dooku's great and i'd love to see him in this way because you don't see him much in the movies no (laughs) because he's played by a very old actor exactly who's talented is in his own right yeah of course what did you first think about all of this when you saw it I don't remember the first time. I remember. I don't remember the beginning of the first time. I all I remember was like, you know, going through it, just my jaw like dropping, being like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And this is like, and I was just waiting for the breaking point. You know, it's like, okay, right. he's pushing them, he's pushing them, but when are they going to break? And then finally, yeah. they did. Um, yeah. So I mean, let they me... broke in the best way possible. I know. Oh. Let me quickly go through it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then we can just gush about it, and we'll get through it. Yeah. So again, very briefly. Um, so Jedi, Jedi Master Krell substitutes Anakin in charge of a Republican offensive on Umbara and due to his disrespect towards the clans and uh, his disregard towards their lives um, you know, and resulting in uh, high losses, uh, the new general uh, causes dissent in the ranks of the clone soldiers and uh, yeah, this results in multiple clashes between clones and direct orders of uh, Krell as we follow the 501st Battalion uh, whose leader Rex uh, wrestles between caring for his soldiers and following orders. Eventually find they find out that Krell used them for his own personal goals so the clones go against him and in the end 
dogma kills him um when what i can i assume might be a uh the beginning of a character growth for him but yeah you don't need to talk about that and now we can just gush and can i just say the cinematography is out of this world it reminded me a lot so we start with the landing scene and that remind really reminded me of the uh the d-day episode of band of brothers yeah if you've really seen does. that of course and the the also the sweeping shot from like the bird's eye perspective down into the trenches that's also such you know, i think i've seen that before in some war movie i'm not quite sure which one um, yeah just the pov shots with the shaky cam everything in dark the atmospheres i think this is the best of the clone wars we have seen this far by a long shot yeah i agree i mean it's hard not to be how could you be better than this really and now i see why you wanted to wait for brackets about you know what's the best battle right? theme right <laughs> right <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so excited right now <laughs> and also like think about all the millions of people who, who did haven't watched the clone wars yeah. and they're just like missing out on just i know such good content Ugh. last season i already thought okay this is now i'm getting into it like a lot i really like most of what i'm seeing um and but this time i thought like wow yeah this is this is not just entertaining but this is like beautiful Oh, that warms my heart <laughs> because like part of this is like we're going through like a, an experience largely because I like am recommending this. Right. Yeah. And it just it it oh, it's just so good. It's amazing. Yeah. I thought I, I loved how very early on in episode seven, uh, one of one of the clone, the clone officers says the other battalions are counting on us and that is just a huge motivation for the clones obviously yeah but they just grapple with everything like this is you know of course the others matter but we also matter the whole point about we are not brainless droids we need yes we are loyal but we should also question orders if they are not if they are nonsensical they obviously hate the disregard master krell has towards them and ah oh, it's so good all the all the debates amongst the clones um, are amazing ah yeah. and you've been wanting and you've been asking for humanity and questioning yes. and all the details of the clones a little bit more and giving them personalities and i'm just like my mouth is shut my mouth is shut i can't, <laughs> say, I can't say anything i'm just like we'll get to it calmly i'm just like we'll get to it yeah and oh my god yeah i, I love as well the um you know because we do see anakin in the beginning so we have this really huge contrast and krell makes clear very quickly that he is very different that he is basically a drill sergeant and very poignantly because, you know, obviously Anakin is fighting with them at the front. I was just going to say that. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Uh, I was going to add one more thing. Maybe you weren't going to say this, but um, they call for an airstrike, right? And at Rex's recommendation, Anakin pulls back the troops for to prevent collateral damage, mm. right? And that's just, like, such a poignant reminder that, like, oh, yes, Anakin is just like such a great leader compared to Krell and cares about his troops and cares about the, their, gives them, gives their lives value where. And is there with them and not exactly. just in the back, which is like, you see that so clear. And, and I think it gets pointed out in like the penultimate episode in this arc, but I just, from the very first episode, I was like, wow, this is, you know, he is like, you know, a typical general, like just, you know having the tactical overview but not participating in the fight but that's kind of not what jedi are yeah and every jedi we've seen has fought exactly i know also that krell just refers to them by their numbers not by their like names yeah uh is also you know a clear sign of disrespect or like not I, it kind of reminded me of that episode that we watched a few weeks ago with uh, where you see the contrast of how um anakin treats r2 and mace treats a uh, r8 i think it was yeah 
and yeah that reminded obviously this is another level but (laughs) but uh, yeah it came to mind well and it just goes to show that loyalty and um, connection you know breeds better results absolutely yeah i i like that they start questioning krell in the very first episode here and rex defends them even though he knows they're kind of right and he makes this point you know you know clones are humans thus their lives are valuable oh, they're not just assets to be you know used <sighs> and i love speaking of rex his transformation oh, yes. episode to episode is amazing and what it takes for him to yell at krell yeah and you can just see how like the gumption that he has or the strength of will that he has and the fact that like he's at the end of his ropes at that moment obviously the animators did a fantastic job but the the voice actor voicing not just rex and like portraying all this like this entire struggle but giving character to each of the clones who has is uh, has a slightly different viewpoint it's just such an accomplishment yeah we speak about casting when we talk about movies a lot. Yeah. The vo- like casting of this voice actor. Oh my god. I sorry, I have to say his name because we have we haven't given him his justice, right? D Bradley Baker. Yeah, so good. But I also love the um the enemies which play obviously a huge part in this as well. Like the their weapons, like the so mecha caterpillar, the tanks, the like weird like Venus flytrap slash Sarlacc kind of monster. Umbarans are so cool. Even their fighters are look like, I like the designs of them too. Yeah, I like that a, a lot. And But speaking of, um, you know, brutality, you get a lot of ruthless, uh, you know, kills from the from the clones where their enemies are on the, they're basically lying on the ground and they just shoot them in the face. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I thought that like there's a couple shots there that made me think of them as stormtroopers in the yeah. way that they, you know, shot ruthlessly and killed their enemies. But yeah, I also love that you have Rex and Fives reunited. Yes, it's nice. I love Fives so much. And I really thought that he they were they were gonna kill them. I thought that that was like the speech he gives is that's the one speech that actually works yeah uh and yeah i i fully i was like wow they're really doing this they're gonna kill them but they don't and that was a strong moment as well where the where the shooting squad basically they shoot but they aim you know away from jesse and uh and fives it's so good (laughs) it's so good yeah Uh, i also i really like jesse too i think jesse's a good character um hard cases sacrifice you really felt it this time like this is a death that really means something and you can feel it yeah and he and he just he just he doesn't really think about it he just does it because it feels right to him and he does it kind of out of love for his uh fellow soldiers it's amazing and he doesn't as you said he doesn't think twice he just runs into it and yeah it is just like also his whole character throughout the entire episodes is he's like the hard headed one who just kind of like wants to go just kill. <laughs> just kill, 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 kill. And in the end, it's so poetic that he is the one who puts his life down, like in to help everyone else to save people. Yeah. There were a few things in episode nine that I just where we are at right now that I wanted to point out. Then first of all, we get a reference to episode one, the movie of Anakin destroying the separatist control ship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fives says, you know, basically puts it very succinctly when he says, uh, "I'm not just another number." Yeah. Um, I love that Rex knows about his like pilot plan, but doesn't stop them when they're doing the pilot training. And uh, Krell is saying, "Like, what's going on?" Uh, Fives reminded me of Han in Episode Four. Oh, yes, <laughs> like like so bad at lying. Uh, everything's yeah. under control. Everything's cool. Yeah. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, I really liked that Fives lets Rex know about the plan and basically offers him an opportunity to stop them, but Rex doesn't. I thought that that was really classy. Yeah. Uh, from both of them, obviously. Uh, I didn't see it coming that they're flying straight into a space battle. 
and it was a beautiful space that battle. Was so good. Just like two shots or whatever, but I was like, oh my god, gorgeous. Uh, everything about these episodes. I, I like as like yeah going going towards the end here maybe but so basically Jesse and uh, Fives are like okay so we're gonna get court martialed uh, that that we can accept that and then Krell you know is like yeah they're gonna get court martialed and they're gonna get executed basically it's like this is not gonna be a fair trial and then in uh, episode ten he twists Rex's words and says yeah no I'm in charge clones are again language. Some clones are just defective. Uh, I will dispose of them. And yeah, there will be no court, court martial. Just execute them, which is pretty tough. Yeah. But the music when he does that. Yeah, the music is he... so good in those, right? It's amazing. This is maybe the first time in Clone Wars where I just, like, without paying any attention to it, I actually, like, took notice of the music. Yeah. Like, how amazing it is. I love the twist, clones fighting clones. I didn't like see that coming the first time. I thought I thought it was a little weird that, you know, okay, so they so they get the um armor yeah. or whatever. But uh yeah. And then then it's like eventually I I bef- I mean it was a little bit before it's revealed, but I like it's like maybe a minute or so before that or like maybe 30 seconds I was like wait a minute. Yeah. The shock on like all of their faces and they are oh just God. heartbroken and then their resolve to to you know arrest Krell and the shot when when they just move towards the camera basically oh. the way it is shot is like really cool i literally have goosebumps right now <laughs> <laughs> and also like this is how waxer dies it, like, i know he gets right killed by his friends oh uh, it's heartbreaking it's, it's so, so heartbreaking yeah and also Ugh. the way that Rex, like the voice, like the way he uh, emotes with his voice and runs around and is just like, they're clones, they're clones, they're clones. Like, oh, we're brothers. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and then his speech when he's like, like co-opting them to join or whatever. And just like any man can step outside and we know what line we're crossing right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they t- so they try to arrest Krell, but he's just op well obviously <laughs> yeah like yeah I, I like the way they get him captured but first of all he does has a monologue which is very important like but he basically tells them he foresaw the uh fall of the republic and wants yes. to be on the winning side that was so interesting yeah that we have this like he doesn't he is another one of these people who doesn't who has come to not care about the the jedi sith dichotomy uh, and it's just like I'm just gonna do my own thing and try to be successful. And the more and of those we have, the more interesting things get in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Black and white thinking, which is you know very Star Wars, in a sense. Not so much in the modern versions, but you know in the original trilogy for sure. It's not that interesting. You know, gray, char- morally gray, ambiguous characters are way more interesting. Yeah. I mean, not that Krell is morally ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe on the sides that they take, right? Yeah. People acting in their own self-interest. Exactly. It's more realistic as well. I love the way they capture Krell. Yeah. With the uh, with the monster thing. What they allude to, like they fall victim to it first, and then yeah. they call back to it again. It's it's like uh, Chekhov's space Venus flytrap. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the shot where he is, he's down to one lightsaber. He's already damaged the beast, and they they're closing in slowly against him and shooting him and shooting him and shooting him and he's like blocking and trying to like do so many things at once it's it's just so well done okay they they decide to uh to kill him because he just poses such a big danger yeah krell gives this really interesting speech that is very reminiscent of sith trying to turn jedi yeah i can feel your anger or i can feel your yeah if you're your fear and you can't do it and then of course Rex doesn't do it because it's Dogma who feels so betrayed and used by Krell who does it in the end, which was also like a really good ending to like this, his arc. Every single character here is so well-written yeah, and has such a defined role and is so like, it's like a perfect puzzle piece that all put together. 
and it, it culminates with the clones questioning what is this for and also what happens to us after the war because we are soldiers yeah and so what use do we have when peace is there it's and that's so good <laughs> so good I like I have to say like I know this is the end of a podcast about like Star Wars Clone Wars but like if if you have never seen any Clone Wars episodes and don't want to watch any Clone Wars episodes these are the ones to watch it's yeah. I mean obviously watching the whole thing has given it so much more depth for us as you know as uh, viewers of the entire show but it's just it's cinematic in a way it, it's so good it is if you st- just stitch these together as episodes and made like an hour and a half movie it's up there with the best of films it's so good it's very very impressive yeah it's very impressive and also we have to note that these are four of our favorite episodes and ahsoka's not in them yeah that's very true without our favorite character who we talk about all the time as basically like the god of um clone wars or star wars She's not in this. Neither is Anakin. None of the Jedi we like are in this, really. Yeah. And it is just the greatest thing. And it is the epitome of the best that Clone Wars can be. Mm. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you enjoy this, and I'm glad. Uh, hopefully, this sh- this uh, these string of episodes have given you what you want from the shows. And I can't wait. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note. Um, uh, the next time we talk, we'll be watching the second half of season four. We will be watching episodes 14 through 22. So all of them. All of them. No breaks. So if you like what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars! If you didn't like the show, why are you still listening? Five stars! If you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Email. Write us an email to hello at serialhook.com. Website. You can check out our website and suggest future topics at serialhook.com. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at serialhooked. If you like the show, tell a friend or 10 and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference and helps people discover the show to protect their own power against the uh, against potential user user patient is user patient a word user patient yeah okay huh that, i didn't finish that sentence that's cool <laughs> and um for that oh sorry i just hit the the boom that's arm, the boom arm ah i hit it again <laughs> sorry I have this note down and I, I just like, I would love to have Admiral Akbar as my father or my, <laughs> it's just like, he's so reassuring and like, he just makes you feel so good inside. And if I were <laughs> no. like princely char and just being like, this guy believes in me and he's like, he's just like putting me on a pedestal over and over again, yeah. uh, like not, you know, not really fully warranted, but it's just, uh, it's so heartwarming. I would have loved to have, <laughs> it's like, if I could choose of all the, um, Star Wars characters who I would want as my father. I think Admiral Akbar is at the top of the list. I mean, it's definitely not definitely Anakin. not Vader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. <laughs> oh, I love it when that happens. It happens so often. Yeah. The more we podcast, the more we realize we really think alike in some respects. (laughs) Uh.